0: Welcome back to the Speaking and Communicating Podcast. I am your host, Roberta. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, both professionally and personally, this is the podcast you should be tuning into. By the end of this episode, please remember to give a rating and a review and subscribe to this podcast. Today, I have the privilege of being joined by Bobby Dulles, who goes by Bobby D. He is an engineer and a motivational speaker. And as you know, in this podcast, we do combine engineering with soft skills. So he is the perfect fit for today's episode, especially. Please help me welcome him to the podcast. Hi, Bobby D.
1: Hey, Roberta. Thank you so much for inviting me. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm so excited for your audience to hear my story and definitely looking forward to the opportunity to talk about soft skills and how that made me so effective as an engineer.
0: I'm so excited that you're here. When I reached out to you, I was like, yeah, I really need to talk to this guy.
1: (laughs) No doubt, no doubt.
0: So give us a little bit background about you.
1: Definitely, definitely. As mentioned, my name is Bobby Dorles. My friends call me Bobby D. I've been in engineering and technology for about 20 years now. I'm an engineer, motivational speaker. And actually I was telling Roberto that I wanted to kind of redefine what type of engineering I am. I'm more or less like a conscious engineer of the internet where I'm really conscious of who I am, my diverse background and how that associates with engineering. Most recently I worked at a really cool company. Some of you might know it. It's a social media company. It's the one the little blue bird one. You know that one? It's called Twitter. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I worked there for about nine years as a site reliability engineer. Now, that engineering skill set requires you to be a software engineer, but also have other skill sets such as systems engineering, which is where I'm most proficient at. I basically worked on building cloud infrastructure. So whenever you hear the word cloud, I was one of those... Mm-hmm building those infrastructures for Twitter, and basically making sure that it's accessible around the world at light speed, more or less, you know, 200 milliseconds or less. My background is really in systems engineering. Um, I was talking about this a little bit earlier in terms of just my education wise. I only went to two years technical school and then got certifications. So I don't have a four year degree, but I've also been doing it for 20 years where I started off, let's say all the way at the help desk and eventually being able to ascend to a staff level engineering position at Twitter. So if I can do it, you can do it. And thank you for the opportunity again for me to chat up with your audience.
0: That is an amazing story because I had a guest on this podcast her book title is Dump Your Degree. Now, this is someone with a PhD, but she's basically saying in this culture, let's reevaluate. You have to have the four-year degree and the master's and the PhD.
1: Yeah. And that's definitely something that I always get a chance to remind students and mentees that I have is that this specific skill set, engineering, 90% of it you can learn online. Now, that 1% is more or less you actually getting your hands dirty and, you know, actually testing it out. But majority of the things I work on, this is also talking about history. The internet was created or the World Wide Web was for information to be accessible, not just for Twitter, Facebook, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But if you look at what we have now with the type of a finger or even voice, I can find the answer to most any questions. Now, apply that to engineering. I guarantee you can design and create anything that your imaginations can come up with, but you just got to use the tools right. And that's the internet itself as a place where information that you can gain any knowledge that you want, especially in the field of engineering and technology.
0: If you want to be in engineering and technology like you are, Is it important that you are proficient in math and science or you can just go to YouTube?
1: It really depends on where your passion is, right? If somebody is really passionate about learning and figuring things out, then I wouldn't say those skill sets are needed. But for somebody that's really looking at math and science as something that's really foundational to you, because I've always loved math and science, engineering was an easy transition for me. Because I started off thinking I was going to be a mathematician and be an algebra teacher. And then I found out that the same way that you do algebra formulas, like solving them, is Mm -hmm. the same thing that I'm doing writing code. I'm basically writing a formula in English and basically I'm solving an algorithm or creating a function to solve a problem. That connection that I made. Ah, it made engineering like my number one choice, especially because I had a passion for science, math and engineering and technology, anything with computers, mm-hmm. anything with moving parts. I've always wanted to know how they work and it can really propel you in this field of engineering. If you're not really into it, you can still learn as long as you have the passion and the drive to really push through.
0: I remember there's an Oprah episode I watched many years ago. This kid was, he was around 12. He was able to access people's credit cards on the internet. Scary where would he have learned that skill if back then he could access that type of information on the internet?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's actually a really good example of type of rigor you need to put in in your research and finding out how things work. So if I'm just thinking about Oprah, obviously, that's like 80s, 90s, early 2000s, maybe later than that. But in general, what we had when I first started is communities that you could actually join online. They're more common now, like group chats and things like WhatsApp for you to be able to communicate with anybody in the world. But when I first start getting in the computers, there was something called IRC chat rooms. They still have them around, but they are really old school chatting systems where you can find out information like that. You join a community and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And you're doing it all anonymous because they don't really know who you are. I guarantee you him moving on the internet at the age of 12, nobody knew that that was a person at the age of 12. It just depends on how active you are, how interested you're in a topic. And then before you know it, you'll learn something. And then you take that and you might be able to find out about credit cards or use it for something else and make something good. But In general, it's really community-based learning, using the resources we had during those times. That's like going to the library, reading source code, like actually really getting into the deep systems engineering or software engineering. And then before you know it, you start to pick up skills. And what really possibly happened, and I don't know about the story, is that there may have been a vulnerability that he found out and the credit card company never closed that vulnerability. And guess what? It's a wide open door that anybody could walk in. So those are the different ways that hackers or engineers like myself design systems to block hackers, always mm-hmm. making sure that we're always up to date on our software packages and vulnerabilities. Because if you leave that door open, a 12-year-old could walk in.
0: <laughs> Bobby D, please protect the rest of us.
1: I try it, I try.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about searching for information, you remind me of the movie Hidden Figures. Octavia Spencer, I remember she, the one who went to the library to find out how that computer, remember the computer systems that weren't working anymore and she was able to figure them out. Yes.
1: Definitely, definitely. That's kind of where, in terms of technologists that have been in the industry for a while, that was our source. That was our internet. That was where we went to Google things, was to the library and read Fortran's manual and learn how the software program works or the programming language works. But nowadays, you don't need to go to the library to do that. I can type in (laughs) Fortran right now and pull up the same book that she was looking for. But Truly, that's kind of the hunger and drive that I'm talking about that we needed during those times to get into this field. Now that's less tension and friction for anyone interested in getting the field now because we have something called the Internet. But okay. those that have been around. We, we understand what it means to put in the work, to research and understand what all this stuff is doing.
0: You mentioned you have mentees. So are you mentoring the young people to come up and be engineers like you one day?
1: Yeah, so that's like really where my passion has moved over the years is number one, not seeing enough people like me in the industry. Number two, not hearing enough stories like mine's um, that could help influence the next generation. So one of the first things that I've done establishing um, this new brand called the Tech Hustle is offering coaching and mentoring and partnering up with any other nonprofit organizations that are really focusing on teaching, interviewing, and just more or less having a platform for me to get this message out as much as possible. And that's when I've been able to build up a new group of followers in the sense of mentees and students that really enjoy my conversation and the knowledge that I have been given them.
0: That's wonderful. Especially, like I said, it's very important to see college is not the only option. And I think they can start at any age, right? They don't have to wait until they finish high school.
1: Any age. It's even as easy as starting to leverage something called open source. I'm not sure if your audience or you are familiar with open source, but the idea is that programs nowadays are all written in public. So Mm -hmm. that means that I can go and find out how it really works. And not only just find out, but I can help support it and or make upgrades to it. And this is something I tell my mentees, if you want to play as an engineer, there's a platform out there called GitHub that you can check out code and play like an engineer. That's what we do all day when we're designing systems is checking out code, upgrading, designing, adding new features, and then submitting it for someone to approve it. That same process is the same things you can develop right now. And you don't need a college degree to go and create a GitHub account and or submit code that some companies like Twitter, Facebook, and Google all use. Another side effect of that is we've actually hired people from them submitting code. So if you're trying to get a job, submit some open source code. You never know who's looking. You didn't even have to apply for the job. They came knocking. So that's something that I also let mentees and students know.
0: Yeah. So they can start at any time and be hungry for information. Roger that. Let's talk about the fun part of Twitter.
1: All right. What's up?
0: <laughs> you said something along the lines of, I've got the scoop on Twitter. was there for nine years. You want to give us the scoop? <laughs>
1: Oh, no, no, never that, never that. Actually, I have a little punchline when I talk to potential clients. They say, why me? I tell them, because I'm the ex-engineer you know about, but you just haven't met yet. Mm -hmm. And what it really just comes down to is is that uh, my journey at Twitter has been by far uh, the best job I've ever had. And it really just comes down to just the experience that I have working with peers in an organization, a company that really leaned on me being myself, me just not trying to put up a front on day one and or whenever I decided to leave, but always being myself. And really that space itself has allowed me to become a high performer, high proficient engineer. And I love the experience that they gave me at Twitter. And I want the world to also start to develop those same mindsets so that our community can be lifted up and really engage with their skill sets as engineers if they work in an environment as such. But Twitter's politics, Twitter's ups and downs. I mean, there's not that much that I can shy away from it other than saying that The culture at Twitter really leans on understanding the value of its employees. We are the voice and we are the ones that are really doing most of the work, right? Once you start to have management change that don't align with that, that's when you really start to get some friction. Unfortunately, I think with the new possibilities in terms of acquisitions, there may be some change in culture. But what I experienced from my time there, I tell you, is the best job that I've had. And I truly want to make sure that I work towards changing the industry so they can adopt those different practices and principles.
0: I usually have what I call a love-hate relationship with social media because (laughs) I can see the good that it does, but I can also be critical enough of some of what I think is harming us in a way. I understand from the behind the scenes you were wonderful, but what's your take on the impact of social media?
1: Yeah, I mean... It's no doubt that social media has changed the way that we communicate. It's like you check social media before you even check the news, right? And that right there for me was the switch that kind of was like, wow, the platform Twitter or any other ones that are out there um, needs to be mindful of the impact that it's going to have to society, such as misinformation, a louder voice, louder than the truth itself. And unfortunately, we are continuing to iterate and coming up with ways to make that experience better. I, on the personal side of the house, have really not felt like all the social media companies, including Twitter, has done enough, especially when it comes to youngsters, young people on the internet, and also just understanding the impact that it has to their long-term adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, once you start to develop these habits, these same habits are going to carry over into adulthood, such as only using social media to communicate with people, or unfortunately, the side effect of that, especially for uh, younger boys and girls, is like, someone that they're always comparing themselves against. And then once you're not able to meet that, you think you're less than. So those type of things, I think social media across the board needs to become more aware of and really just find a way to make it receptible to the audience that is old enough to receive it, but also Mm -hmm. not blocking it, but making it restrictive in a way that youngsters are able to develop their minds and understand what's going on before they get caught up in some crazy stuff that they've seen on the internet. And it's a tough concept to really enforce because number one, you have profits, you have stockholders, you have this, you have that. And then you also have the social impact and the changes that it have on society. And overall, I'm just hoping over time that there's more governance around it. I mean, like global type of governance that allows everybody to understand the value of social media, but also the impact of it. So I don't have an answer, but I definitely know that it's a conversation that we will continue to have. It's a conversation I always spoke loud at while I worked there at Twitter because I got two young ones myself. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, can I get a Twitter account? No, you can't get a Twitter account yet. (laughs) Age restriction. (laughs) Right. And in general, if I'm a parent and I feel that way, then obviously I want to stand by that and making sure that the company is aware of my opinion about it. But it will take time. It's a continued iteration. And I think once we start to break financial gains with what social media does, then Mm -hmm. we have the right society decisions making on that. Because living in a capitalist world, unfortunately, the dollar talks a lot louder than a a young um, pick me or someone that's not ready to speak for themselves.
0: Hello, Capitalism. You spoke about communication, and I know that you're a motivational speaker. How critical is communication when it comes to the engineering sector, based on experience especially?
1: I was always kind of considered like a unicorn in this industry. First of all, being someone of minority background, and obviously you don't see that many people that look like me in the field. I've always been considered that, but the unicornness that they always kind of like highlight is my ability to speak and effectively communicate my ideas. Because what I was able to do with these soft skills is influence change. If I was able to hear someone say, hey, we want to go and do XYZ, and I take that same thing and explain it a different way to an executive, I was the one that was able to make that convincing argument versus the person that told me that was doing XYZ. And as soon as I figured out that that was one of my skill sets, it changed my trajectory and path to becoming an efficient engineer because I didn't need to only understand how everything else worked, but I knew how everything else worked and I knew how to explain it to management, right? That's what closed the gap for me to be able to rise without a college degree. And I'm a first generation Haitian American and me being a person of color. And once I was able to showcase the skill set, I was a unicorn because I never seen somebody do it like me, but also I was able to get things done because I was able to explain things effectively. So this skill set by far is something I stand on. And that's why I'm really pursuing the idea of doing more motivational speaking to change people's mindset, but also Mm -hmm. the idea that, hey, this is a skill set that will take you far beyond just engineering. Because just imagine the audience that I'll be able to impact because I'm so comfortable speaking in front of people.
0: I didn't work in software engineering, but I worked with civil and roads engineers. Nobody tells you at university that the people who get promoted are the ones who speak more. And usually when it comes to the engineering sector, we always have this avatar of, we are so narrow-minded when you think about them. He sits on his cubicle, he talks to no one. So what can you say to people in the industry who have decided to just think, oh, I'm an engineer, I'm just going to do this quietly?
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great, great way of describing the mindset. And I have did this extremely well at Twitter is just changing the mindset because as engineers, we are collaborators by nature. I don't care where you work at. You cannot change something unless somebody else gives you a plus one. Now, how do you convince that person to give you the plus one or the okay to change something is communicate to them. You either write it in code, you write it in documentation, or you speak to them about it. If you can't do any of those, then I don't know where you're going to be an engineer at. (laughs) But if you are effective at those specific skills, especially something like talking your problem out loud to get your peers to agree on it, that's extremely powerful. And that also opens up the space for you to be more open to brainstorming or newer ideas. I've used this space so many times to come up with systems and ideas that I didn't even think I was going to be able to work on. But as soon as I start to say something, someone else adds something. And before you know it, these skills will allow you to create newer things and make bigger and giant leaps in the direction of simplicity or what I enjoy doing, automating myself out of a job. Right? It's like, as soon as I got into those conversations and make that like the mantra We're talking about it and everything we do revolves around that. And because I'm able to effectively explain what that means and how it will impact their work, everybody's in line and everybody's moving in that direction. I cannot speak more about how effective speaking is in corporate America and the field of engineering as a whole. Even in our community, we find not the right opportunities, but most of the times, challenging times when somebody speaks up, rather than it's just a debate and conversation rather than an argument. Like a debate and conversation, there's going to be you know, a result of it. An argument is no results at all, right? It's just using this skill, speaking, motivating, and just changing people's mindset is extremely powerful. And if there's one thing that I would recommend is definitely get into engineering, math, technology. <laughs> but also develop this skill as a speaker because your confidence and your voice and when you're talking about something you know about, I don't care who, they're going to be able to move you and you're going to be able to move them based on your voice. And that's what really comes up in terms of conversation I've had with people is how I've been able to move them with my voice to make changes and do great things. So definitely pick up that skill set. I'm 100% behind it and I'm hoping I'm going to be able to do it more. <laughs>
0: I hope so too. Here's what I picked up just now based on what you said. There's a critical thinking element as well. Mm. You actually have to analyze it and have some input as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's what makes you a high performer, high proficient engineer is not just executing, but understanding why you're executing it. And also understand like, hey, if I execute this, then either it's going to allow me to do the next thing, or it's going to block me from the next things. Not saying anything and just following directions from a manager that's not at the keyboard has never worked well. <laughs> it's an engineer that's at the keyboard speak up and let them know what's left or right, what's up or down, because most of the times they're stuck in meetings and dealing with people and stuff like that. They don't really see what's going on in the ground. And if you can't speak up for that, there are going to be a lot of organizations that have the situation that you're just running around in a circle rather than really solving problems that can impact your customers, your service, and even your bottom line too.
0: You initiate, you're the self-starter, you don't need to be nudged all the time. Because that's literally the opposite of what you are when you're a leader.
1: Exactly. And imagine how that stunts your creativity if you're not given that space. Like Mm -hmm. I want an engineer that could think out of the box and you give them a blank sheet of paper and you come back and they build, you know, a, a massive system. Right. It's like. An individual is not the smartest, it's collective. All of us together is what makes us smart, right? And me just as an individual, I can't do it on my own. I have to have other peers out there to help me sharpen my knife even more because I don't know everything. It's collective, we have to work together. That's why I said we're collaborators by nature, Communicating effectively with your voice is extremely powerful, and definitely this is where you're able to separate yourself from just regular employees to an outstanding, high-performing employee is when you can be able to step in those type of lights.
0: Another soft skill, teamwork. Yes. What are some of the challenges you found when working in a team?
1: <laughs> I mean, first of all, you're joining a team, right? If you're not a new member of the team, then you basically have to prove yourself as a, a team member. I've always been in situations, unfortunately, being a black engineer, that I've always had to be proving myself. So I got used to it. I got used to joining new teams and understanding what position everybody else plays and really just effectively positioning myself and solving and checking that box like, who is this person and how can they provide value? But unfortunately, being a person underrepresented, if you always just looked at, like, hey, they're not up to par or so on and so forth. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges that I've had to overcome over the years. Because it introduces imposter syndrome. It introduces Mm -hmm. the idea that, hey, I don't belong or I don't have the capacity to understand what's going on. And I tell you, at least 90% of the time after I became proficient, and remember, every job you ever start, there's a learning curve. Mm -hmm. That learning curve is between three to six months, no doubt about it, for you to really provide high value contributions. But once I've gotten to that point, I usually find out that I was literally the smartest person in the room at all times and everybody else (laughs) didn't know what was going on or they were afraid to ask or they're afraid to speak up. Right. So that's why whenever I go into an environment and I'm joining a team, I always look for how much value I can provide because I already know I have challenges of being a person of color. But ultimately, just looking for the right space to shine my brightest light. And it's usually after I become proficient, subject matter expert, and then then they really find out who Bobby D is.
0: <laughs> yes. Privileged to be in his presence and they can learn some wisdom from him. Yeah. Definitely. Back to social media as well. As I said earlier, we really struggle with conflict resolution. If you're in a leadership position, or even if you're in a project team, there's always going to be conflict What are some of the things you can share in which you can be better at conflict resolution and remember that you're working towards a bigger goal?
1: Yeah. First of all, saying that out loud, right? And saying that out loud in front of everybody, right? Is sometimes those spaces, especially when you're working on a team or project, I like to use spaces like that to reaffirm why and what we're doing and why we're here, right? And as long as you bring that up and everybody's there nodding their head in their agreements, Then now we just have to find out why is there friction? One thing that I've always used to reduce friction is team building events, going out of the office, finding ways for us to be outside of whatever we're normally focusing on. And what I found out is that once you find yourself in a situation where you're leaning on the people that you didn't know uh, were there to support you, that carries right on into the office is that you start to lean on them just the same way that that experience that you had externally. Even another notch to this in terms of just conflict resolution as a team lead, because I used to lead the compute platform team on the SRE side, is that I used to take out people that I know were conflict or had conflict, and the three of us would go have lunch, go have brunch go hang out afterwards, go have a drink, and really just trying to find the right atmosphere so that we can have all the guards down so we can really talk about it. Because what you said at the beginning is the real reason why we're here. I don't have time to deal with conflicts at this level. The system might go down tomorrow. I don't want there to be a conflict that you two can't talk to each other to bring the system back up. You know how much money we're losing by the system being down because y'all can't talk to each other? That's the reason why as a lead, you always find ways to break those barriers, because what I want you to do is to lean on somebody that you know you can lean on at your worst and toughest time. And that's what I've used over the past to really break those uh, challenges, especially on a team.
0: There's no I in team. There really isn't. You lean on your team member. So those are the things that you constantly need to remember when working as a team, which is another soft skill.
1: Yes, definitely. And in terms of just why I'm so excited to be on this podcast, because you're really emphasizing these areas that a lot of people do not consider, especially engineers. And if you are a person of color trying to get into engineering, you bring these skills in, I'm telling you, you're going to shoot straight for the stars, is these soft skills and communication skills, because they're so effective. High-performing engineers don't write code anymore. I'm going to say that. High-performing engineers don't write code anymore. They help lead teams of coders. I'm able to do that because I can effectively communicate and give direction to other coders for them to actually do that work. That's a high performance to me. And definitely these skill sets we're talking about. I don't even know. (laughs) I wish somebody would have told me earlier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, one of my previous guests as well. He wrote a book called The Career Toolkit. He's been hired by MIT to teach soft skills. The only people who learn communication at university are communication majors.
1: Skills. <laughs> <I
0: know. laughs> we've mentioned teamwork, critical thinking, being a leader, communicating. Is there anything else we've left out?
1: I would say something that I always feel like in this space I want to highlight as being self-aware and more or less just being confident in your yourself. And this is what helps uh, reduce the challenges for people to open up and be effective communicators is being self-aware, just being mindful of your skills and what you can contribute to and also understanding the space that you should be speaking in. There's some spaces that I'm like, all right, I'm listening. But then there's some spaces that, hey, hey, I'm up next because I got to say something. And it's just you being self-aware of your skill sets and what value you bring to the table. So that's something that I would add to the list there too.
0: That is so key. You know how they have those questions of what are your strengths and then what
1: are your weaknesses?
0: How do you handle that one?
1: <laughs> you know how you handle that one? Preparation. Think about exactly what you're going to say and talk about the don't come off the cuff. Preparation <laughs> is how you answer that question.
0: And they're not looking for a perfect employee. But when you know your weaknesses, they know where to plug you into the organizational chart. Because no matter how good your resume is, your communication skills really need to shine.
1: Hiring managers looking for a candidate to fit a position. It's okay if that person doesn't have this skill, but since they got this skill, we definitely want her on our team. And that's more or less the mindset that everybody has to be ready for, especially interviewing, because that's what I do when I interviewed for as a team lead. I don't need someone else with that same exact skill. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate you. But that person over there that may not know how to code as highly proficient as the other person, but they know how to design systems at a very high level with reliability as a foundation and things like that. That's who we need on our team. And you have to be able to talk about your wins and your loses just the same, because that's how I evaluate you. If you tell me my lose was, hey, I flipped the coin and it landed on head. That's the loss <laughs> for you. <laughs> when I interview, I'll tell you what I brought down Twitter and Yeah, we learned something from it, but guess what? It never happened again. But I will tell you that so that you can see the growth and the opportunity of where that would fit in your organization. So you are totally hitting the nail on the head the way that you're describing just talking and being effective in your ability to communicate, but self-aware and telling people the truth and just standing in it shines such a brighter light on you that you didn't even know.
0: And it shows integrity that you actually can tell the truth. You are showing that I'm human. I'm mm-hmm. here and you are open to learning. Most people who think they're perfect are not open to learning.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. And, and actually one more attribute that it shows is there's a skill that we have in the field of site reliability engineering where we do something called like a post mortem. It's like after something goes down, why it broke. And you have to be as truthful and open as possible so that we don't make that mistake again. I've seen too many things be held back And then when that incident happens again, we dive deeper and it was like, yo, but you didn't say that last time. Guess what? We just lost this amount of money because that happened. I need y'all to dive deeper and just open up and let us know so that we can make the system more effective. But it is so true that Leaning on your interpersonal skills, soft skills, and just being yourself, and definitely just understanding the value system that you're bringing to the table by being fully aware of your failures and your gains allows us to build better and reliable systems. Everything isn't rainbows and gold at the end of the rainbow. We, we know that. I want to know why it broke, and tell me. Even if you typed in something wrong, I just want to know because next time we won't let nobody type that in, right? Or we'll add some more bells and whistles to check, like. This is such a great conversation, and I'm just so happy your audience is able to hear this feedback and definitely be mindful of their opportunity to grow and really head in the right direction of whatever path they're heading on. Because these skills don't only apply to engineering. These soft skills applies to any job that I've ever had or any job that I've heard people really ascend and really become high performance in their specific skill sets.
0: Mm, It's a metaphor for life as well. You learn from your mistakes if you're honest about them and you do a postmortem, like you say.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because the one thing I hate is if we have a problem and we have that same problem again, then that's a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, I get a phone call from my mom again. My mom's like, I, it doesn't load. Like I, <laughs> oh, she hears it on the news and the whole world knows about it. I, oh, man. <laughs> Remember the day Facebook
0: was down? Was it down for six hours?
1: Oh, yeah. Because I know some of my peers also work or just people in the industry. It's really small in terms of when you're really working at hyperscale. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just sending them some love. And I was like, yo, I know what it feels like to be in the mud. Nobody really understands what it means for your site to be down. Keep pushing, keep going. I know y'all fix it. Like, I I just know what it feels like to be in that seat. And definitely big shout outs for them fixing and getting that problem resolved so it won't happen again. So
0: big shout out to Bobby D. You show teamwork even to those outside. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been such an amazing conversation. Your story is very inspiring. And anyone who's listening, especially if they're in the industry, like you said, in any industry, they will definitely benefit from us.
1: Roger that. And thank you again so much to you and your audience for giving me the space. I'm really moving towards making my voice heard around the world, motivational speaking and talking about my journey in technology and engineering and anything I can do to help support you and your community and what you're working on. Just reach out and let me know. And thank you so much again for giving me this opportunity.
0: My pleasure. And in order to reach you, tell us where to find you.
1: Well, the best place is find me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Bobby D underscore FL or Bobby D Bobby Dorless.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-D-O-R-L-U-S.com. It'll just send you to where my socials are at. Eventually there'll be some other web pages up, but in general, that's where you'll be able to find me. And definitely if you're looking for somebody to come and inspire your group of engineers, students, organization, definitely reach out because I'm always looking to uplift the next generation. And my community that I'm building called the hashtag tech hustle. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much.